Hello my freaky babies, this is Ella Keel, this is Sarah Keel, and welcome to episode 2 of our podcast Freaks and Treats. So this is a continuation on from episode 1 where we were talking about the idea of social conformity, compliance and obedience. In episode 1, Sarah covered the case of the Milgram experiment, um, which was quite interesting. But pretty long, I apologise. Yeah, I'm actually feeling a little bit tired, I was actually out. Well, not so much out. I was with friends all night watching um, Christmas movies that aren't actually Christmas movies. You know, the ones that take place at Christmas but aren't actually Christmas movies. Yeah. Yeah. And we watched Hook, which I forgot is just ridiculous. Just how disturbing it is. The fact that they keep talking about marbles all the time. I haven't seen Hook in a long time. I think I need to watch it. Yeah. I forgot that it was even set at Christmas. Yeah. Do you Did you know about this? And I'll be interested to, to know other people's sort of opinions on this. Like Hook and, and Peter Pan in particular is set to be like Peter Pan is actually the evil one in that. Like there was a thing where in, in one of the references to Peter Pan, he talks about how he t- picks up the children when they get too old and drops them in the water from a great height. And then it was only referenced, I think there's one brief quote about it in the book, but then people are saying, well, what happens to the children who survive the fall because they're getting older? Do they become pirates? What in the name of God? <laughs> you don't even know that's a no. So he's technical, but there's also like all the um, sort of afterlife allegory in it as well. You know, like Hook could be the devil and Peter Pan is Christ and all the children there are all in purgatory. And... I heard something about it being an afterlife once. Yeah, but... but not the thing about him dropping children from a great height. No, no. but that's the thing though. He, he, apparently when children would get too old, when the, the Lost Boys would grow up, he couldn't keep them, so he would just fly them up and let them go. <laughs> Sounds like some weird version of Midsummer. It does sound like a weird summer version of Midsummer. Oh, Luke Splat. I mean, not that that's weird enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's another, actually, that is another episode I would really love to cover, just the idea of, like, cults and... Um... You and your cults. I know, I know, I have cults. an issue. However, this episode is not about cults. This episode is about conformity and compliance and obedience so i'm going to be talking about the mount washington scam you said you'd researched a little bit about it i had a brief skim of a wikipedia page but that's about it i don't know the details okay well i I have something about there's a film based on it yeah there is i did what that was actually how i got into this i watched the um film version of it and it had that girl from the apartment in don't touch the don't trust the bee. And then Apartment 23. That's it. Yes. Uh-huh. And she, it was really good. It's got the girl from that in it and um, James Vanderbeek randomly. Uh, no, no. James Vanderbeek was in the programme. Sorry. He's not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you watch this film and ex- expect James Vanderbeek. Although I think it does have that actress that's in um, The Handmaid's Tale in this movie, from what I remember. Either way, it is still a very good film, but if you want to know the exact details, I'd say maybe look at the case or watch documentaries on it because there is some stuff out there. So this is taking place in Mount Washington in Kentucky. 
don't know a whole lot about the place except I like their chicken. So Mount Washington Place, this actually took place in April 9th, 2004, but similar acts are actually dated back to 1992. So this is actually going back 10 years. It's actually taken this case for this whole thing to come to light and be sorted. Wow. Yeah, the fact that this is actually had actually gone on for 10 years and nobody had been able to find out anything about it is actually ridiculously shocking and you'll find out why. So, as I said, we're going back to April 9th, 2004, and um, it takes place at a McDonald's in Kentucky, and as I said, Mount Washington. Um, so employees at restaurants were being told to comply to an anonymous voice being um, heard on a phone call. Um, and after that, they were basically told to do such lewd acts, and you'll find out what these lewd acts are. So in um, this McDonald's, you get a girl called, we get told about a girl called Louise Ogborn, um, I think that was her name. She was only 18 at the time and she was working at a shift at McDonald's. Now, she was a new staff member, so she hadn't been working there that long and she'd only got the job because her mother had lost her own job. So she was getting paid minimum wage and was doing it to support her family. She was also a church goer, was in the Girl Scouts and um, obviously trying to support her family. So it shows you what kind of a person she actually was. She was also only a month um, away from graduation and was going to do pre-med at university. So she was very, very bright girl. Still is. So I shouldn't say what she is. She's still alive. Um, and she was a lovely, lovely girl. So that shows you what kind of character we're dealing with now, which makes, I think, the acts that are going to come up all that more shocking. So um, the assistant manager, Donna Summer, not sorry, <laughs> Donna Summers. <laughs> Not, not the musical actress. Not, she's, not the. She's, she's looking for some hot stuff. <laughs> was that Donna Summer? I thought that was Donna Summer. Maybe. I don't know. I was just thinking about the song "Bad Girls" is taking on a different term here. Because that, that bad girls talking about wow. sad girls. I'm so sorry for saying. Cover your ears. Um, yes, not that Donna Summers. Is it Summer or Summers? I think it's Donna Summers. Well, this is Donna Summers. The, act, the the person that's in this is also called Donna Summers. She's the assistant manager, or should I say was, at um, the McDonald's at the time. So she gets a phone call from um, an anonymous voice of a man claiming to be called Officer Scott. And he says he works for the police, police department. Now, he's basically told... Donna Summers, I can't take any seriously. He, t- he, t- he basically says to Summers, um, we've had a, a phone call from one of your customers that basically said that there's a girl who works in your department with sort of blondish hair, um, sort of frail height, sort of frail, frail, sort of slim build, small height, um, that she's actually taken his, his wallet, that a wallet has gone missing. Okay. So the police officer says, yeah, you need to detain this girl. You need to strip, you need to search her and take her in. And that obviously fit the description. The only person that was on shift when this kind of thing happened was Louise at this time. So Summers went, right, that's obviously her. And the officer, he has air quotes here. I'll just say Officer Scott, because although that's not his real name, that's what he pretended to be. He asked, take the girl into a safe area and... Um, basically search her because we can't do that at the moment there's this is such a a lower case that we don't have the police officers to 
get someone to come out and actually do the case for us. So you need to do this for us and you'd be really helping us out. So he's already making her like you know, sort of caressing her ego, like saying, well, we can't deal with it. But you're you're important enough that you should be able to deal with this. We trust you to do this. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'll just take a quick drink. Yeah, so that's what she does. She takes um, Ogborn into the office, into the um, assistant's office, and then says, right, sit here. And then um, basically the police officer has, supposed police officer has said to Summers at this point, look, you need to watch out for this girl. She's not just some sort of petty thief. We've also got known, she's also known to be a drug dealer and also taking drugs. So you need to watch out for her. So he's already feeding these sort of lies about this, this poor 18 year old innocent girl saying, you know, there's reprimanding her and saying that she's this, damaging her ego and, and, and damaging her reputation, saying that she's a drug dealer, that she's all of these horrible things when she's clearly not. So Summers has already got this in her mind. And be aware that she's also aware that um, Ogborn is working there as a, a minimum wage job for supporting her family because her mum's lost her job. So she might even be thinking, well, it's possible she would have stolen the wallet. She is short of money. Yeah. So that's already in her mind. So yeah, she takes um, Ogborn into the office um, and then says there to sit there. And then the police officer says, right, we need someone else to come in there with you to essentially um, assist in the, the search of it. So what I want you to do is to take off all of her clothes. I want you to make sure she takes off all of her clothes and then put it in a bag. And immediately it's sort of like Summers is going, are you sure this is okay? I don't know if I want to do this. Obviously, as you would sit there and sleep, the police officer is like, you need to do this. We don't have the permission to do this. And if you don't do this, so well, we don't have the permission to do. This. Uh, we don't have, sorry, we don't have the opportunity to do this. We don't have enough officers to send out there. So all we can really do is, is ask the manager of McDonald's to do it for us. Yes, well, this is what I'm saying. It gets more ridiculous, and he's, he basically almost threatens the wellness of Ogborn by saying, "Look, if you don't do this for us, then we're just going to have to arrest her, come down and take her to the police station, and arrest her, and then strip search her ourselves. And that's not going. She's not going to like that." So immediately Summers is sitting there thinking, the assistant manager is thinking, well, if I do it, that's going to be a lesser hassle for, for Louise. I can't send her to get arrested. So maybe if I do this for the police officers, maybe it'll just be okay. So, yeah, I know you're looking at me like, oh my God. But surely if she had stolen something, would you not then have the police come and arrest her anyway? No, because he, she, the way that he was... Essentially, he was quote, she was quoted as saying about p police officer um, Scott that whatever she questioned, he had an, ask, an answer for. He was that type of person. He always had a reason behind what was needing to be done. So he said, right, I want you to take make sure she takes up each item of her clothing and then put it into a bag and then put it in your car. And also take her, uh, her car keys as well. You need to take her car keys. And then... Because reasons. Because reasons. And unfortunately, Summers thought, right, well, I need to do this. And then um, Officer Scott said, right, now what you need to do is you need to summon someone else in your sort of staff to come in and or someone you trust to um, watch over the search. She needs to be naked. We need to make sure she's not concealing anything. So, yeah, unfortunately, poor um, Louise had to take off all of her clothes and was standing there in the office naked. And um, Summer said, right, okay, 
I'll give you an apron. Here's an apron to cover your modesty until then. Mm-hmm. Try, trying to make the best of a situation. I can understand that. Yeah. It's 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 quite a horrible thing to do. Yeah, so then Kim Doherty came in. So she was another assistant manager that worked at the McDonald's and she was asked by Summers to uh, to come in and watch the strip search happening. Yeah, so the police officers actually thanked her for cooperating, saying, you know, um, take the keys, you're doing you're doing such a good job. Um, Miss Summers, you're doing such a great job for us. This really helps us. So you can already see that he's trying to... It's, it's kind of similar to what I think we were saying with the Milgram thing. Like, thank you for your cooperation and doing this for science. You're doing this for us. It's for the better thank good. You, thank you for doing this for law enforcement. For yeah. Safety of your community. And in a way, I think that takes away some, alleviates some of the guilt mm-hmm. that Summers would probably have been feeling at this point. Yeah. Um. So after that, Summers basically said, look, this is a busy place of, of work. I need to go back into the shop. I need to go back into McDonald's and serve at the counter. So the officer said, um, okay, right, you need to take someone else to look after her. We can't have her going anywhere. So because this isn't over. So you need to keep Louise Ogborn in there with someone that you trust. So Summer sat there and went, right, okay, I'll send in um cook. It was the name of Jason Bradley. So the officer spoke to him on the phone and then says, right, I want you to remove her her cape now. I need you to remove her apron. And Bradley went, no, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Good. And yeah, exactly. So it's not all bad. There are yeah, people that... one person who's got, got but he, on. However, he didn't phone the police after this. He just sort of went back to his job. So there is still sort of an element of... Yeah, I suppose if you think they are the police. It, he does think they're the police. And that's, that's, that's what's so worrying about this is the fact that nobody at this point has seen this man in person. They are just taking the word of a man who is on the phone. Mm-hmm. So after that, after Bradley had left, Summer was then told to get someone else that she trusted and her fiancé of the name, Walter Nix Jr., I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it, Walter Nix Jr., was told um, to go in and watch Louise Ogborn for her. And he was on in, uh, his way to try and sort something for his fiancé at this point anyway, so he got told him to sit into the office with Louise um, for about two and a half hours. And this is where things get really questionable. This is where I think the question. Oh my goodness, do we have so much to go into? (laughs) Yeah, so basically, once Louise was back on the shop floor, she was working in McDonald's. Um, She had left her fiance there. Remember, that's also really important to remember. This is her fiance, is left with a naked 18 year old girl in a locked office and is speaking to a police officer who's saying, right. Now what needs to happen here, if you want to cooperate with us, what you need to do is make sure she's not concealing anything. So take the apron off her. And he first went, is that necessary? But he went, yes, of course it is. We need to make sure she's not concealing anything, drugs or anything. So what we want you to do is make her do jumping jacks. So this poor girl, this neighbor do a fucking PE lesson. Oh, like, bend over in front of him, jumping jacks, make sure nothing was falling out of any crevices. And this poor girl did this. She wasn't happy about doing it, but she did it. Because she was also, and I think quoted as saying that she really had to do this because she was so worried about losing her job. They needed this money desperately and she was so worried about losing her job. She went along with it. I think what was the quote that I actually noted, it says, um, my parents taught me when I was young as an adult, when an adult tells you to do something, you don't argue, you listen. So she's obviously a young, impressionable girl. And I should also say that with all the other cases that were happening during this 10 year period, 
This was the kind of people that he loved to target. I should give away it as a man. He, of course, it's a man. Is it? <laughs> Is it? I'm shocked. But this was the people that he loved to target. He loved to go for branches, like restaurants and food branches that were on the outskirts of cities mm-hmm. and young, impressionable girls or p- people who hadn't wor- been working for the company that long because he knew he could manipulate them. He picked the vulnerable. He picked the vulnerable, exactly. It was horrible. So that goes into question as to why she was going officially along with this, even though she wasn't happy about it. Obviously, why would you be happy about jump, doing jumping jacks with your ribs flopping about? No one would. However, not me. Officer Scott then said... <laughs> I was about to say, if I tried to do it, I'd knock people out, just flinging in all directions. <laughs> Needed an over-shoulder, older shoulder was it over-shoulder boulder holder? Is that the phrase? Yes. Yeah, so it gets a little worse, though, is the problem. Um, after that, he says to, Officer Scott says to Nix, what you need her to do her now, she might be concealing drugs or something in her mouth. You might taste it. What she needs to do is sit on your lap and kiss you because that way she'll taste it. And he's like, really? And he went, that's the only way you have to do it. And Nix is like, right, okay. And this was... Surely he's going to be like, I don't fucking know what drugs taste like. (laughs) Or maybe he does. (laughs) Maybe he does. But this was the point in which Ogborn, Louise Ogborn went, no, I am not doing this. This is not on. I am not kissing a man that I don't know. And the police officer convinced next to make her sit on his lap and spank her if she until she did. Yeah, literally, eighteen-year-old girl over a man she's never met, lap being spanked. Can this guy just not go in on a Pornhub or something? Yeah, <laughs> well, this was two thousand and four. Pornhub wasn't exactly. I mean, I don't know if it was around back then. I'm sure there was some equivalent that he could get his kicks from rather than this. Well, you'll find out why. Later on, why he's doing all of this? Good, but, because I'm baffled. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, even even then, you'll you'll still be going. Really though, really. So yeah, he does. He gives her a spank and then leaves marks on her bum. And obviously, she's red and she's. Oh, so he's probably going for it. He's then. actually really spanking her. The officer Scott couldn't, is telling couldn't, him. Couldn't just leave it as a tap. No, 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 no. no, no. Officer Scott was saying, "I want you to hear to hear the spanking. I want to hear that you're actually doing this." And she was crying the whole time and Ogborn's literally just saying to him, can't you please just let me go, just send me to the police station. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And the police officer just, this whole time, Officer Scott's going, you need to do these things. And basically threatening not only her, but saying, you need to do this for me. That this this is what needs to happen, otherwise you're going to be questioned. So he's, it's, it's one of those right. things. That, and then... This is the bit that really, really upset me. I mean, not that it didn't all upset me, but then he says to him, she needs to give you a blowjob. She needs to perform oral... Oh, for the love of God. She needs to perform oral sex on you. Because reasons? What, what is the justification for this one? I actually couldn't find the justification for this one. In this Just, I, I thought, I think it'd be funny. Just do it. Yeah. But well, this is the thing. It's 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 what you what you need to search her mouth with your cock. I, Jesus <laughs> Christ! Like, what what is the reasoning for that? I have absolutely no idea. But unfortunately, poor Louise Ogborn had to do that. That's literally what she did, and she left was left traumatized. And what's making it even more frustrating is his fiance Donna Summers. <laughs> Pause for laughter. Donna Summers is still going into the office 
periodically checking on things and then the officer saying to the next make sure you cover her with an apron make sure it doesn't look like anything bad's going on and he's doing it he's still doing it like so that should imply this is wrong you would think you would think but he does do that so unfortunately yes that's what um Ogbornet does she performs um oral sex on next and then he basically leaves after that and then says I can't do this, I'm going to leave. And then he phones his best friend afterwards and says, I've done something terrible. So immediately afterwards, it wasn't like he was sitting there going, like it was conformity going, oh yeah, this is totally normalised. He knew what he was doing was wrong. But this authority figure, this anonymous authority figure that he could only hear on the phone was telling him to get this random child to perform oral sex on him. And it was deep, I mean, at 18, but still a child in my eyes. Yeah. Deeply upsetting. Yeah, so after Nick's left, she replaced him with Thomas Sims. So so he was the maintenance man who was coming in to get, I think, a dessert at the time. And he spoke to the officer, but he refused to go along with the demands. He knew immediately something was up. Imagine the one in Fear McFlurry and seeing that. <laughs> oh my God, all I wanted was an Aero McFlurry. That's I just lot. wanted an apple pie, okay? <laughs> Oh my goodness, though. But yeah, it's, it's it's literally just this poor maintenance man going into an office where a girl has been held captive for two and a half hours, naked and sexually assaulted by a, and saying, oh, the police officer told us to do this. It's okay. Immediately, you would think as an outsider, you would go, that's absolute bollocks. I'm not doing that. And that's what he did. He called it out and went, this is ridiculous. And it's at this point that Donna decides to question it. Donna Summers decides to, to question it and go, this seems a little suspect now. I love the fact that it's taken this long for her to suspect something. Well, that's interesting. Again, what, um, remember what I had said about the um, it needs other people to start mm-hmm. questioning it to give you a bit of license to question it. Exactly. That was in episode one. You talked about the Milgram experiment. Everyone started questioning the, the authority of the doctor. And it's the same here. Everyone, if one person questions the authority of it, people will fall in line. So that's what Donna did. And I should also say, at this time, the um, officer Scott had basically been saying, um, look, I've been in contact with your your deputy manager, like the, basically the person that was a lot higher up than Donna saying, mm-hmm. yeah, they're aware of this. So you need to, they're, I'm on the other line with them right now. So they're telling you to do all this. So it's not just from the police officer. The police officer had been lying about being in contact with her other boss so she's immediately got her own sort of like job security to worry about as well. However, she phones her boss and he's been asleep the whole time. He has absolutely no recollection of what has been going on. Of course he doesn't. So she realises at that point, oh shit, this isn't right. What have I been doing? She freaks out, goes hysterical and phones the police. And then when she confronts the guy on the phone and says, this is rubbish, she hangs up. He runs away. Damage done. That's no responsibility if you're not in person. Exactly. So she phones the police and the police arrive and she's too busy trying to cover poor Louise with an apron saying, are you okay? I didn't mean to do this. And poor Louise actually asked, do I still have to come into work tomorrow? Oh, you believe sad. that? And she went, no, honestly, you take all the time you need. Just take all the time. Like, of course she's yes. going to take the time. She never returned, obviously. She never went back to that McDonald's. Would you? Oh, my 
McDonald's gave her some sick pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find Probably out. They gave, her, they gave her a lot more than sick pay, but oh, good. not without some challenges. So we'll, we'll, I'll go into that in a wee second. But yeah, that was basically what happened. So the, the hunt went on to find out where these calls were coming from. And this is where it gets really complicated. So basically they found out that this sort of call hadn't just happened in the Kentucky area. It had actually come from Florida. It had actually come from, um, I just need to double check here. Yeah, Panama City in Florida it came from, and it came from an AT&T phone card. So it's basically like for the day, it was like one of those pay up phone cards that you use in portable phones that are in like supermarkets and stuff. So a way to say kind of anonymous. Yeah, essentially. So police officers were trying to find out where this phone card had come from and they found out that a lot the largest distributor of these cards was from Walmart. So they went in and tried to search the CCTV for Walmart um in Panama City where um they found it and then um they contacted the place and then they found out that it was a man that had bought it wearing a sort of security jacket for the company. Um, and they realised that also that this card had also been used in places in Massachusetts, in Boston, basically. Um, in places oh, he's, with, he's fair up and about. He's fair up about. It's amazing that he's managed to do this, but this is over a 10-year period, remember. Oh, of so he's managed to do this and perform it's essentially similar acts of, not vandalism, but of um, horrible acts across the country in Massachusetts in Florida and obviously in Kentucky and other places as I'll soon discuss. Um, so they found out from CCTV that he wasn't just in Florida, he'd also been in Boston and they managed to look at the company that he worked for in his vision um, for his security company and phoned the company and then they revealed what his identity actually was. Now this took a long time, this wasn't actually something that just happened immediately, it took them a while to find out who he was. So his name, they eventually found out, was David R. Stewart. So he was a 37-year-old security guard, married man with five children. Oh. Now, at this point, the, he they arrested him and he wasn't having any of it. I don't know what that you're talking about. This is this is nothing to do with me. I don't have a phone card. Did he bollocks? <laughs> Why is it I'm getting the image of like in screen where it's like he have is the the, the cellular phone drops like onto the floor? It's like I can explain that. What about the knife? I can explain that too. I was making cake. <laughs> no, it was it was definitely um, evidence spoke spoke for itself at this point because they got the card and then then saw that it had been made calls to Massachusetts and all the places that had basically complained of the same problems that the one had happened in Kentucky. They had also found... Um, also, this voice sounds eerily similar to yours, sir. What? Well, we'll go into that. Oh, God, is this, is this even more scream that he's got, like, a voice changer? No, 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 <laughs> but that would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, when they went in, they actually discovered the, um, the scream mask. <laughs> And then he, he was just going around stabbing young co-eds. No, he wasn't doing that. Unfortunately, what they did find was um, police uniform and applications to the police, things that had been rejected. So he clearly had a fascination with being in the police already. Don't he, they always? Don't they always? Exactly. They love the power. They do love the power. And... Um, do you know what this actually reminds me of? Do you remember, obviously you'll remember Ted Bundy. He pretended to be a police officer as well to try and get people to comply and to 
joining him yeah. and then he would kill them and it, it shows you how often this happened what was the the serial killer that we looked at at the um the conference was it the green river no it wasn't the green river it was the uh, golden gate killer Golden State. Golden State Killer, yes. And he was a police officer. And people immediately trust him because of the uniform. I think it was a power thing. It was wanting to be trusted and having the ability to manipulate people because he was wearing the uniform. But he wasn't, he didn't have the uniform. He couldn't actually wear the uniform and call himself a police officer. He was a security guard. And well, that's what he did. He did it over the phone, didn't he? Yeah, apparently doesn't even need to do it in person. Just Which actually shows you it's not just a physical thing. It's even in the name. Even in the the name holds authority that people want to comply with, which is mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. So after that, um, once they addressed them, they extradited him back to Kentucky, where he was going to be held accountable for these crimes. And they were charging him with solicitation of sodomy and impersonating an officer. Now... I'm sorry, solicitation of sodomy. That was what he was charged with. Now, I think this leads into other different cases. Um, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Just um, lovely. However, and I should say this, I would really hope that this actually ended on a happy note, and unfortunately it doesn't. He would have served 15 years in jail, and he didn't. He... Is it, no, not 15 years in jail. I think he would have gotten longer than that, actually, but... He didn't get basically he was acquitted because people did essentially there wasn't enough evidence how the voice it wasn't recognizable as him the jury let him away with it the jury went that ah, doesn't sound like him so he didn't serve anything as if he couldn't have been putting on a bit of a voice no 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 didn't occur to you unfortunately and all the other stuff yeah that doesn't matter no doesn't matter I knew you were going to. I knew you were going to get really frustrated with this. Oh. So deeply upsetting. But yeah, that's essentially what happened. He didn't receive any sort of problems with it. However, Nix did. Now, because he testified against um, Stuart, he was given a sort of a, a lesser sentence. But he did still end up serving um, fifteen years for an unlawful imprisonment and sexual molestation. Oh my God. Yes, and um, Donna Summers. Poor Donna Summers. Just, she really went down route after um, the, the disco didn't take off, didn't she? <laughs> no, I, sh- I should say. Definitely not the same as Donna Summers. No, she got probation. She didn't serve time, but she got probation. But she was obviously fired from her McDonald's job. Yeah. Asked never to come back. Um, um, here we are. Oakbourne went to therapy after this. As you would imagine, this completely traumatised this poor girl. So she didn't go back to university to do pre-med like she had planned. Um, And she ended up suing McDonald's, saying, you were aware that there were calls happening. Because this, I should say, wasn't just happening in KFC. Wasn't happening in KFC. It was getting them into it as well. My God, I'm slagging off everyone here. You did say it was Kentucky. (laughs) i'm already thinking about chicken i did have kfc earlier on as well naughty naughty um no this wasn't the first mcdonald's that this had happened in so they mcdonald's as a company should have been aware and training their management to handle this kind of situation and in fairness it's not exact it shouldn't be a common situation but i suppose if it had already happened in certain yeah for 10 years yeah if it had already been happening they definitely should have yeah like the first time maybe i'll give them a pass because what when would this ever happen? They wouldn't think it would happen to train them for this. Like mm-hmm. a police officer comes, is on the phone and tells you to strip off uh, your co-worker 
Yeah. Like, it's like, when would that ever happen? But when it happens once, even once, you should have that as like a training Mm -hmm. thing for the management for sure, just in case it happens again. Yeah, exactly. You would think that would be the case. And that is the reasoning to use to sue them, that they should have warned people so this wouldn't kind of thing wouldn't have happened. Um, so she ended up suing them for two hundred million, um, but settled for five million in punitive damages and one point one one million in compensatory damages and expenses. However, I don't think that's enough after everything that she went through. I mean, plus I would say McDonald's they can afford it exactly because <laughs> even looking at this poor girl, when I look at photos of her, she was such a frail looking. Pretty girl, black, sort of, I would say, scraped back hair, glasses. She looked like she wouldn't say boo to a ghost. You should look her up now because she looks absolutely like the last person you would expect would steal anything or take drugs. Louise Ogborn. And I I mean, I suppose, you know, appearances can be deceiving. But in this case, it was just absolutely devastating to look at this program and think, That she had went through all that. I know you're looking at the photo now thinking, what a poor wee thing. But yeah. Honestly, she reminds me of me a bit. Do you know what? I didn't want to say that, but she does kind of remind me of you, particularly in your younger years. Yeah. And that's, that. that, I think that's honestly devastating to look at her and think you can see people you love in her face and knowing that she went through something like that. And what's more upsetting is just the fact that these people have done these, these, these things afterwards and gone, I can't believe I fell for that. How many people had fallen for that? Just listening to a voice of someone saying, I'm a police officer, you have to do this. And they did it. So, yeah, she has um, since had a child and she's recuperating. But I think this is the sort of thing that will stick with you for the rest of your life, isn't it? That you will never forget this. Now, I did go to McDonald's again for sure. I don't believe that. Knowing how much you like McDonald's, I don't believe that. Oh, I'm saying she would never go to a McDonald's. Oh, I thought you meant you. I'm probably still going to have McDonald's for tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes, there because were lots. I have no morals. <laughs> What's morals next to a Big Mac? <laughs> no, honestly, it's it, it does seriously beg to question because it doesn't even just happen in McDonald's. This was happening on restaurants across the country. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about the sodomy one. That was what you were wondering around. So we basically got someone else um, to perform a cavity search looking for drugs on a 19-year-old employee in another McDonald's in Georgia. And that happened in 2003. There were other similar cases, like in North Dakota, a Burger King, a 17-year-old employee did a strip search, um, was had a strip search done by another manager, and he also spanked her. Um a sonic restaurant manager um, inducted a strip, share, a strip search and performed oral sex on a cook. And that manager was 16 and the cook was only 21. Um, a manager at McDonald's in Kentucky stripped for a customer. The employee was told that the man was a sex offender and would be arrested when he approached her. So, I mean, you can there's a, a list of them here and I could go on, but these were like the main cases. And a lot of these people were essentially wanting... Uh, compensation for what happened a lot of it didn't happen and as you saw Stuart didn't get any time served for this he didn't have to serve any time for this which is I think the most upsetting part of it the fact that he's caused all of this trauma and chaos and doesn't have to serve anything for it he just lives his life 
Yeah, like this has probably had a negative effect on the mental health of everyone involved, mm-hmm. except for him. Yeah, but there is certainly, I think, a lot to delve into when it comes to the idea of obedience and compliance, especially when it comes to authority figures. From what we were talking about, obviously, in episode one with the Milgram yeah. experiment and with this one, where does it, like, is it compliance? Is it... I would call this obedience. You would call... It's I defined know, as compliance. The, I know the film adaptation, mm-hmm. it's called compliance. Mm-hmm. I don't think this sounds like compliance. I think this sounds like obedience. Because they're certainly, essentially being threatened in ways. It's, it's almost they're like being saying... threatened, they're being... This is a this is someone they're perceiving as an authority figure. I think that's what's crucial here. Mm-hmm. That's that's the crucial part. Of By name alone. Element. By name alone, which is scarier. Yeah, just because he said I'm a police officer. Like when in fact he was just a fat security guard. Sorry, I shouldn't slag off the fact that he's overweight, but don't like him. Just don't like him. Sorry, I'm just trying to look over. On a power trip. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it was. But you think about, like, I should also say Donna Summers. I can't, I don't have the notes here, but she actually did sue McDonald's as well and also received a settlement as well. Good. But I mean, McDonald's and themselves, and I shouldn't be sitting here slagging them off because they'll probably come for me. But they were. Oh, oh God, it's Ronald. <laughs> oh no, he's here. Oh God, no, not clowns. I don't want a clown in my house. Um, okay, it's just a hamburger. That's even more scary. They're all quite terrifying in their they own are sort of quite terrifying. But yeah, they were refusing to take responsibility. They were basically saying, right, here's some money, but because we understand what you've been through, but it wasn't really our responsibility. Essentially, which was which was quite upsetting. Um but you think Nix has obviously been aware that he's done something absolutely horrible to this girl mm-hmm. through the the instruction of this supposed officer. I mean, how he's living with himself afterwards, knowing that, and I should also say that Donna Summers dumped his ass. He, she dumped his sorry ass right after this happened. I completely forgot to mention, this was all on CCTV. This was all recorded. No! I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so they had recorded this all in the office. Donna Summers watched this back and after she saw it went, off you go, I'm not marrying you anymore, as she would understandably do. I'm just imagining her watching the CCTV going, no, no, don't do that. No, don't. What are you doing? No! Put your penis away! (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I'm so baffled by that part, though. The fact that she... The blowjob and the the spanking. Like, the the, the, um, what's the... (laughs) the Excuse me? The the butt. Sodomy? Sodomy, that is the word I'm looking for. The stuff, I love the fact you were doing that thing with your finger, you were twisting up. Like, I, I don't want to. <laughs> sodomy. Okay, oh, yes, God. that thing. Yes, the sodomy, like, because it was in the context of, like, a cavity search. Mm-hmm. I could understand why you would think that would make some sort of sense. That's a little, maybe. I don't understand how you can justify the blowjob thing and the spanking. Mm-hmm. Would a, would you think it's okay for a police officer to do that? Mm, no, I had no, to think about that. No, never, never would you think about that because I think the reason that um, McDonald's fired Donna Summers is that we're sitting there saying, "Well, you went against our guidelines." No, at no point in our guidelines does it ever say you should perform a strip search 
on it another does, employee. Does, does it say you shouldn't perform a shift? Oh here? my gosh. Technicality. I'm sure that, that, that there's a reasoning where it says it says if you word it correctly, it says you shouldn't do stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, even like nowadays, if you talk to a security guard, I was talking to somebody I used to work with who was a security guard, and he was told that he got he, he might get into trouble if he was ever to touch a shoplifter to try and search them to check if they'd taken anything, they could essentially charge him with assault because you're not allowed to touch people. So the fact that this even happened, even in 2004, which isn't that long ago when you think about it. Yeah. You know, it's... 17 years ago, that's... It's, it's, it's a fair time ago, but not long enough that you would sit there and go, things were so different back then because they weren't that different. No. With the, um, the phone card and payphone aside. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit different. I think it would have been a bit different if we'd had like mobile phones back then. Mm, I think there's still ways around it with the mobile phones that you mm-hmm. can do things like this, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. Watch Scream. Ooh, the new Scream's coming out. Yeah. It's just it's when we were talking about Scream this whole time. There's a new Scream coming out next month and I wanna see it. Mm-hmm. Soon. Sorry, segue. But yeah, I think that is something that we really need to discuss is just what does it actually mean? obedience or does it mean compliance and how does it relate to the milligram experiment yeah i mean as i said all this screams to me obedience rather than compliance Mm -hmm. because it sounds like he's ordering them but in certain senses he's also he's not he's it's like he was trying to make them feel better about it as well he was he was had an answer for everything and he was trying to soothe them as well is there a bit of coercion into it as well and sorry that's the cars going back coercion where does that fall in line with the idea of obedience and compliance yeah that's a difficult one it's all a lot of gray area and they Mm -hmm. all kind of mesh together a bit Mm mm-hmm I think the in this sort of sense, I would say that there's definitely a lot more obedience and coercion in it than there is complete compliance. Um, it'd be interesting if we've got any listeners out there, if you agree or you disagree, if you've got any sort of feedback, then you'll find us on Twitter or Instagram um, with Freaks and Treats. And then if you want to feedback on this episode, you can also just say, that was absolute bollocks, here's why. That's also fine, but be nice about it, you know. Um... But yeah, sir. Um, moral of the story, never listen to a random person on the phone who tells you they're a police officer. I just don't trust police officers in general, I'll be honest. I know a lot of police officers and they're not all that great. Um, our cousin aside. Our cousin aside, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I think the culture around police officers has changed a lot in the, even the last five years or so. It's changed massively the sort of public perception of police officers and the level of faith and trust in them. Mm-hmm. Because like five years ago, I would have told you, yeah, police officers are fine, I trust them. Now I uh, think I think twice. But I think it's it's more not just about trusting them. It's about fear more so than anything else about the repercussions of you don't do what they say. They'll know better. They have the power to cause chaos in your life. They can set, They can arrest you. They can make your life a living hell if they wanted to, if you don't comply with what they say. Yeah, but the worst thing that it should be is they arrest you. But, That's as bad. And while that be bad, it's not this. It's not. No. It's, it's not what this poor girl went through. You know, it's. No, no, it's not. 
but you also have it's to not, think it's like not, it's not what other people have went through when they've been attacked by police officers and the violence you know it's but i think also i think vulnerability and age has a lot to do with it as well as she said because she said that you know if you an adult is speaking you don't question it you just do i think that is in in some respects maybe not as much nowadays now that we're sort of entering into this post millennial sort of era where people do question authority a lot more than they used to i think yeah. when we were kids it was more of a if adults speaking you you stay silent you do what you're told yeah it was not that it's not so much that nowadays so i think i would hope that nowadays if we're leaning in towards more of an era where we're not easily fooled by these sort of situations and if we do see something that doesn't morally align with us we are going to speak up and not be coerced into doing something or to immediately obey something that we don't ethically or morally agree with i think that's really just yeah, the I thing think that's i think that's why it's so it can be really important to think about the psychology behind it as well to know why your brain is like or, or why your mind is automatically yeah. doing these things why that's your first response so that you can question it yeah because it's, it's 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 so much more complicated i mean there's a lot of peer pressure with it there's societal norms that we feel if we don't do things we won't fit in there, there's so much more it's not just about authority i feel like if you're thinking about the idea of obedience and compliance and conformity it's everywhere you look it's in your schools it's in your work because it's, it's it's everywhere you go and it's just about questioning why you're doing the things that you're doing and what are the repercussions of that yeah so much of it can be just not thinking about it it's just automatic response for some people was not mm-hmm so like it's so important to actually think about what you're doing, I guess, is our moral for today. Think, like Sesame think, Street. Think, think about your actions. And the letter for today is B. No, it's not B. It's it's S for sodomy. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Never watch Sesame Street again. It's more like Avenue Q than it is Sesame Street. Yeah. But that Honestly, that sounds like a like a cut scene from Avenue Q. I bet that they cut. Not from the. I'm, I was away to mention another dirty scene. If anyone's ever seen Avenue Q, you'll know what we're talking about. A particularly dirty scene that involves a lot of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, are we? Are we not allowed? Are we not allowed to say sex? Well, we discussed sodomy and blowjobs. We discussed sodomy, and I used the word cop. Yeah. So. I should. I should also say if our family is listening to this. We'll say it again. We don't care. <laughs> no, we're sorry. But these things, they're they're sent to try us. So <laughs> I'll probably delete this bit. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't really know what else there is to say about this um, particular case. I think we've sort of covered it. If you have, have found it interesting, but you've only listened to episode two, I would definitely suggest you go back and listen to episode one because Sarah did go into a lot of really good in-depth analysis of what obedience and compliance and conformity actually is, particularly in a social situation. So it would really help you understand, I think, this case a lot more. And yeah, I think it was, this was something that I always thought was going to be really interesting. This particular case was always something that frustrated me and wanting to understand it. And I'm still left baffled. Yeah, I still don't understand what was... I understand a little of why people complied, obeyed, whatever. Still baffled by the man. Yeah. What, even, what even is what even is this man's brain? <laughs> what, is, what is you? What is what, your brain? 
why is you? <laughs> why it's <laughs> why is this person allowed to exist? Yeah, basically. I mean, there are people that have done a hell of a lot worse, and I'm I sure know, we will be discussing understand. a lot of that in our next episode. Yeah, I but, don't understand them either. But yeah, I just, I just, I just feel so sorry for this poor girl. She's know, been through so much. Everyone else that, um, and all the other cases mm-hmm. that you mentioned, every just everyone, honestly, everyone involved to a certain extent. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting, not just looking at this case, um, for a movie standpoint, but maybe looking at some of the other cases as well. Mm. so yeah if you do decide to want to know a little bit more i would say go and suggest it um and go and research it and also go and watch the movie the movie is very difficult to watch i will admit it's very uncomfortable as it should be but if you feel that you can handle it and you haven't been horrified enough by the podcast then i would suggest you go and watch it so i think for our next episode um we're going to be covering the topic of mass hysteria which i'm really really excited about so Elle is super hyped for this one. Oh my goodness i love hysteria not just for a woman's standpoint because obviously hysteria is one of those things that just gets tossed around like oh she's hysterical Elle is hysterical again she's eating the wallpaper <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of the known symptoms of hysteria? Eating wallpaper? Yes. That's, that's what happened in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. They were all licking wallpaper because they were hysterical. Is that in the DSM? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Along with... Um, oh, what's that thing called? The one... Um, Stockholm Syndrome. It's not in the DSM, by the way. I should say that. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome isn't in the DSM, is it? No, it's not. That, again, would also be a really interesting topic yeah, to, oh, um, to discuss. We've got too many topics. Yes, we do. But, we, unfortunately, I think we've run out of time. We're at 50 minutes in, so I would really like to thank you for just sticking with us for these past two episodes and really hope that you've enjoyed it and you want to follow us again. If you can, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, um, and we'll catch you again in a few weeks after the new year for episode three with the topic of mass hysteria. So thank you for now and goodbye.